0: Hello, and welcome to yet another episode of The Programming Professional. I am your host, Chris Franklin, and today we're going to talk about distributed systems and why they are hard. So I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but most of you who are listening to this, you are probably a distributed systems developer, one of the hardest areas you can go into as a developer. Now, I hear what you're saying. No, no, no. I'm a front-end developer. I make websites. I make web apps. Well, sorry. It's bullshit. You are a distributed systems developer, whether you want to be or not. Now, why do I say this? It's simple. The definition of a distributed system is any system that involves more than just one machine. The sad fact is almost everything that's done today involves more than one machine. Okay? Even when we're talking about something that runs on a single node, like let's say a Redis, you have a single instance of Redis running there and you think, oh, that makes me not a distributed developer. Except you have clients that connect to it. You have other machines that are connecting and talking to your machine. Even if it only runs on one, there are still multiple machines involved in the entire process okay so now that you are starting to come to terms with the fact that yes you might in fact be a distributed systems developer let's talk specifically about the example that i gave at the start here which is web developers Now, I started my career as a web developer, so I feel for you. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, I don't have to take into account any of these problems that distributed developers do. Except you do. Because as a web developer, you write a front-end client and it talks to things that are outside of itself. It is actually run on a completely different system than what your clients are accessing it on. So this, by default, makes you a distributed systems developer. Okay. Very few modern software projects work on a single system. The only examples I can think of are things like, um, you know, word processors, maybe. But Even that, uh, you know, I'm having a hard time here because even those, a lot of them are now cloud enabled. They now save your documents off to the cloud and that makes them no longer distributed. So even things that are in the traditional single system space are now becoming distributed. It's really hard to get away from. Okay. So now that you know, even things that are traditionally not distributed are now becoming distributed. Let's talk about what we really came here to talk about. Why are distributed systems so hard? Well, if you've never heard of it, uh, there is this idea called the fallacies of distributed systems. And it's kind of what I wanted to talk about today. And if you don't know what the fallacies are, I'm going to run through those really quick. And then we're going to talk about what does that actually mean in the real world? And what how does that have anything to do with me? So let's talk about first the fallacies. Okay. These are things that people who come into the world of distributed systems, they tend to believe these things. And I believe this was uh, declared back in Cisco way back in the day. So um, I'm kind of going off memory here, but uh, there are eight fallacies. And the first of those is that the network is reliable. If you believe that the network is going to be reliable between your system and the system you're talking to, you're wrong. Simple as that. There are going to be network problems. Switches can go out in between you and them. Uh, You can lose Internet connectivity and no longer be able to talk. Maybe you have a partial outage. Someone unplugged one of the machines that you're expecting to talk to. These kind of things. You don't know what's going to happen between you and The destination that you're trying to reach. And that's just something that is unknowable. The second fallacy is that latency is zero. Okay, what this means is when you're talking between your system and another system, there is going to be lag. There is going to be some sort of latency between you and the system you're talking into. It's just built into the nature of the Internet. We cannot break the laws of physics. Things cannot travel instantaneously from one place to the next. So you have to come and cope with that. You can't program your systems as if that latency isn't going to exist. Okay. Next, bandwidth is infinite. This is something that people tend to think. I can send as much information as I want to over the Internet and it will get there. Well, that is incorrect. I actually just recently had to deal with this in my day job because we were sending such a large amount of data from our little IoT devices that we were saturating the network and it wasn't able to talk to anything else. This is something that you have to be aware of. You have to understand you don't have unlimited bandwidth. Even in today's day and age where you're sending gigabits of data per second, you can still hit that cap pretty easily. Okay. The next fallacy is that the network is secure. Well, let me tell you, the world is full of creeps who are going to try to steal your data. Okay. There are far more notorious and evil things out there than there are good things. And you have this these bots that are automatically scraping. uh, connections that are being established, that are trying to read your data. You have automated scripts that are trying to do the same thing. These are things you have to be aware of. You can't assume when you're sending information from one machine to another that you don't have to do it encrypted, that you don't have to put security protocols in place. You have to in today's day and age. Otherwise, you risk uh, losing information that is valuable to your customers or to your own company. Okay. Even when you're dealing within what you consider to be a secure network, let's say you work in AWS and Amazon web services, and you're working in what they call a virtual private cloud, which is supposed to be a completely isolated network. Let me tell you, it's not as isolated as you think it is. Okay. Next, uh, let's talk about topology. Now, a lot of new developers in this space think topology is never going to change. The shape of the thing that I'm talking to is never going to change. I'm, it's always going to remain this way. Uh, the APIs are going to remain consistent. Uh, third parties that I'm dealing with are going to remain the same. Well, we live in a very dynamic world. Nothing is static. Things change constantly. And your system has to be prepared for that. Okay. Uh, The next fallacy is one that is a little bit older uh, and I think is a little less true, um, but I do see it as a fallacy uh, that happens specifically in front end systems, and that's there is only going to be one admin. Uh, A lot of front-end developers I've seen have made this mistake. I've made this mistake where we assume there's only going to be one admin account and no one else is ever going to have to make those kinds of changes. So this is something that you just have to keep in mind as you're moving forward. There's probably going to be a requirement to have more than one user take over the admin role. And in fact, sometimes admins leave and you need to promote another user to admin. You have to have a way to do that. Okay. Uh, the seventh fallacy is that transport cost is zero. That's incorrect. Um, it costs money and time to send data. OK, uh, you have to understand this when you're designing these systems. And finally, that networks are homogenous. Uh, this is so wrong. You have a wide variety of networks. And especially today, this was these fallacies were defined um, 30, 40 years ago, and uh, even now, network homogeny is even worse than it was back then, okay? Your clients are probably running on a cellular network, and they're jumping from a cellular network onto, um, you know, an Ethernet network, into a satellite network, into your AWS uh, private subnet. I mean, you're jumping from network to network to network, and these differences are going to cause problems that you never expect. Okay. All right. That's enough talking about those fallacies. Let's now talk about the next area, which is um, I want to talk, reference something called cap theorem. Um, This is an idea that you see a lot today when you're dealing with software projects. They'll, they'll tout, um, they're one of the, the areas that they talk about a lot is consistency availability. And so, um, this all comes from cap theorem. The idea is that there are three areas, consistency, availability, and partition tolerance. And cap theorem says, pick two, you can only have two at a time. You can't have all three of them. Okay. And so, what we want to talk about with cap theorem is what does it mean to be consistent? What does it mean to be available? And what does partition tolerance actually mean? Um, because this is a super high level theorem and how does it have to deal with anything I do on a day to day basis as a software developer? Okay. Um, Consistency is something you hear uh, talked about a lot. It's this idea that if I send data to a distributed system um, and it has multiple nodes that are all talking to each other, a master and several workers, um, the idea of consistency is that all of those nodes are going to have the same data on them. So that's the idea behind consistency. Availability is that if there are multiple nodes for me to talk to, I'm always going to have someone to talk to. It doesn't matter which node it is, if it's the master or a slave or workers or whatever the the terminology is for the software you're using. The idea with availability is that one of those will always answer to you and will always send you back a valid response. And when I say valid response, a 500 response is not a valid response neither is a network timeout it must always respond for it to fall under availability the third of those is of these is partition tolerance and um, the idea behind partition tolerance is really hard to grasp if you think of it as partition tolerance what this actually means is a failure all right let's say one of our nodes in Uh, Elasticsearch. We have a three-node Elasticsearch cluster up and running in the cloud, and one of the nodes disappears. It's just gone into the ether. Someone unplugged that server from your stack, and it no longer exists. Okay. Uh, How do you deal with that? How do you deal with that failure? Um, Having a server like that disappear might not fall into this area of partition tolerance, actually. Um, What's more likely to fall into this area is, let's say the switch connecting your three nodes together disappears and now two of your nodes can no longer talk to the third node how does your system handle this if you as the client are talking to the third node uh it doesn't know that the other two nodes are still there and You're connected directly to it. So how does your system handle this kind of severing Um, and what is uh, commonly referred to as split brain, especially when you're dealing with Elasticsearch and systems like it that are distributed? Okay. All right, so those are the real high-level theories that you have to kind of understand as we move into this conversation. So what does this actually mean in the real world? How does this have to deal with you on a day-to-day basis? All right, well, let's start with the high, with the thing that we have to talk about and get off right immediately. Distributed systems are bound to fail. Every distributed system is going to have a failure, and it happens all the time. If you write your code in a manner that says... You don't expect failures to happen when you're talking in a distributed system, you're doing it wrong. You have to take these things into account. Okay. Next, uh, you have to embrace the fact that um, you might have to be partially available in your system. Now, what does that mean? What does it actually mean to be partially available? Uh, so, when we talk about CAP, Uh, consistency, availability, and and partition tolerance, Uh, one of the things that we can do to work around that, and one of the trade-offs we can make, is that if we're talking to a single node, it can return what it knows, and that might be good enough for you. It might not know everything. It might not have full consistency. It might not know about all of the other events that have happened on the other two nodes, but it will tell you what it does know And that might be good enough for you to move forward in your application. Okay, so don't be afraid of partial availability. Um, What this is commonly referred to is eventual consistency. And that's the next point I want to make is unless you have a really good reason to be 100% consistent on your system, you should be embracing eventual consistency, all right? Uh, Systems like Elasticsearch, which I like to use as a reference because I've worked so long using Elasticsearch in my career, um, it embraces the idea of eventual consistency, as do most of the databases that you're going to work with in modern times. You send a write request to one of the nodes. Eventually, that write request will propagate across all the nodes and all of your partitions. And this is different than a partition uh, that we're talking about in Cap Theorem. Um, All of your write partitions and read partitions uh, in a database system are distributed nodes, basically, that all have their own copy of the data. Eventually, they will all have the same data. But... They might not when you make the request. So you might write to one node and read from another node and discover that the thing you're reading the, that you were expecting to be there no longer is there. And that should be okay, and you should have tolerance built into your system for that. okay. Okay, another thing in uh, distributed systems that's incredibly helpful are exponential backoffs. So when your system is talking to another system, Or if you are a client talking into a backend system, you need to understand the concept of exponential backoffs and how they can help you survive any kind of problems that might arise. Okay. Basically what happens is you make a request and it fails for whatever reason. uh, It times out the system returns back a 500 saying it's broken right now. Please stop messing with me. Uh, You deal with systems like Elasticsearch, which I've mentioned several times in this discussion, uh, and it can get overwhelmed. The masternodes can just run out of capacity to handle your request, and you'll get responses back that tell you that. Uh, You can get 429s that you've been rate limited. There's a whole lot of things that can go wrong, okay? And so what an exponential backoff says is, I've made a request. It failed, What you're going to do is you're going to come back almost immediately and make another request. And if that one fails, what you're going to do is you're going to double the amount of time you waited between now and the last request. And then each time a failure happens, you basically double the amount of time up to a maximum time of, let's say, 30 seconds. That's industry standard usually. And so you're going to get to the point where you're almost instantly making requests over and over again. All the way out to every 30 seconds you're making a request until the system comes back online. This is one of the ways that distributed systems can recover themselves eventually. Uh, It takes a while to get there, but it does happen. Okay, um, metrics are absolutely essential to understanding distributed systems. So a distributed system by nature is incredibly difficult to understand. It's hard to grasp everything that's happening. And by having a metric system that collects... Uh, key metrics such as request rate, uh, failure rate, and CPUs and memory and all of these different things that you can collect in a system. Having those metrics are essential to helping you track down these problems when they happen, because we've already established they are going to happen. Now it's just a matter of how fast do you recover and how fast can you find out what it is that's actually causing the problem. Okay. Don't trust just your logs. Um, Your logs can lie to you without even intending to do so. You might be logging the wrong thing. You're entirely relying on your developers to log the correct problems and That's not always the case, and you don't know what the correct problem is until you've seen it. So don't rely on your logs exclusively. Instead, what you should be doing is using your log along with your metrics to correlate and find these problems. It becomes a bit of detective work, but it's essential to being able to find these problems. Uh, Also, when you're using metrics, you should be using percentiles and not averages. An average doesn't tell you anything because you you could have 100 requests go through and 95 of them could look great and your average says oh things look really really good but that five percent that's failing is feeling really really bad and you don't want that so if you're using percentiles you can start to see what does the 99th percentile look like oh it's a three minute response time that's terrible let's figure out what's going on in the system okay so What we want to do when we're building these systems is you want to start refactoring your system. And the best way to do that is service decomposition, taking your large scale systems and breaking them down into smaller and smaller microservices that do only one thing. And that makes it much, much easier to work with. Okay. That's it. That's all I have for today. So thank you guys. And I'll see you next time.